supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. And now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Vita Mojo is proud to be the headline sponsor of the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Vita Mojo transforms chaos into confidence for hospitality operators worldwide, empowering brands to streamline order management and take control of their business. With its flexible end to end order management system, Vita Mojo gives you one central place to manage your menu across every channel, brand, and location. But Vita Mojo is much more than an out of the box software solution. The VitaMojo team are with you every step of the way, providing the partnership you need, the technology you want, and the experience your guests deserve, all in one place. VitaMojo will help you adapt to whatever the world throws at your hospitality business. For more information, visit vitamojo.com supersonic. Want to be recognised as one of the most innovative and best-performing brands in our sector? I'm James Haken, the founder of Restaurant Marketer and Innovator, and here to tell you it's your time to shine. Our 2024 awards are open for entry with 13 categories. Join the likes of Brewdog, McDonald's, Turtle Bay, Box Park, Fuller's, Grind, Gales and Rick Stein restaurants who have all picked up wins in recent years. Visit restaurantinnovator.com to find out more information and apply. Hello, welcome back. We have got actually a surprise first guest and we've rushed this episode out. I've had calls into this man and this TV and movie for, God, the last few months. So I'm so pleased that he agreed to come on and I think you've got a very topical show but also one that will be deeply interesting about hospitality, but also about filmmaking and TV. So today I'm so proud to announce that I have got James A. Cummings, who is the writer of Boiling Point, the short, the feature film and the TV series. So James not only talks about Boiling Point and his rise to being the writer that he is today, We also cover his hospitality experience, a chance meeting with Lady Gaga at an awards show. And we also cover, and you should watch it, his other film that's out at the moment. So they're coming along like buses is Accused, which is on Netflix. And as we recorded, it was number one on Netflix. There's apparently a very controversial moment within the movie that's a real audience splitter. But if you go and have a wee watch of that and then look on Twitter at all the conversations going on, I know that uh, there's a few friends that I've got, I've seen it already, and they were shocked out of their minds with this real twist or major event that happens within The Accused. So here's the proper intro, 
and we will delve into the world of Boiling Point all the way up to the stress and culmination of the final scenes in the feature film and also we'll get a little window look into the new series so there's not too many spoilers if you want to watch it weekly in the old style but also what you can do is just binge it on iPlayer on BBC. So for those of you who don't know, Boiling Point started Sunday and that was at 9pm on BBC One, so couldn't get more prime time if it tried. I hope that you've caught it. If you haven't, this will be a nice companion piece for you to get into it. But basically with James, we're going to have a deep delve into the art and heart of storytelling. Obviously, I'm your host, Mark McCulloch, and today we're setting the table with the feast of insights into the world of screenwriting and the pressures of the hospitality industry that can be seen in some operations and venues. We've all dined in restaurants, enjoying the culinary delights often obvious to the ballet of the chaos, passion, precision, and the adrenaline that unfold behind the kitchen doors. But what if someone took the essence of that world and the intensity and the emotion and poured it into the silver screen in one unbroken take and after that into a much more fleshed out and expansive TV series to explore all of the characters? That's what Boiling Point is. So enter Boiling Point, a cinematic marvel that offers an unfiltered, scalding look into the chef's world where every moment can be the difference between perfection and, as we often see, disaster. So today we've got the privilege of hosting none other than James A. Cummings, the mastermind behind the acclaimed Boiling Point. From casting the brilliant Stephen Graham to dissecting the intricate tapestry of character arcs, James and the team have crafted a narrative that really resonates with anyone who's ever felt the weight of expectation and the heat of the kitchen. So we're going to explore the inspiration behind Boiling Point, also delve into the shadows of mental health within hospitality, but in general, understand the audacity of shooting that entire film and what it took to move from film into TV and all that that entailed and obviously so much more. So whether you're a cinephile or a foodie or whatever the portmanteau of that is or just someone that's intrigued by the art of storytelling, today's episode promises to be one of the best we've ever done and to be a compelling blend of drama, passion and revelation. Get ready to turn up the heat and simmer in the pressure cooker of the world. That's Boiling Point. Well, thanks for reaching Working out now. as well, you know. Well, thanks for getting back. I can only imagine how busy. It's been a whirlwind week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're getting those first reviews in, as you've, you'll have seen, and it's, um, it seems to be going better than the film. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. Which is wild. But we'll say, maybe save some of that conversation for, unless we're already on. We're, we're, we're started. But oh, right. what, what, what I'll do is I'll do a very, very quick, cheesy intro and then we can okay. start and then go into it. So it gives me the most kitchen nightmares pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, who is James E. Cummings, writer of Boiling Point. Hello. Hello. I'm very excited to be on. <laughs> Thanks for coming. As I say, I've picked the worst week for you because... 
It's so wild. It's so busy. We've just the show's about to come out. Uh, I just had another film come out on Netflix, Accused, which is getting lots of traction. I saw that. Yeah, and so you don't things often are really spread out, but for some reason it's all coming at one time. Like buses. Well, I, I yeah. think the annoying thing is um, someone who will remain nameless posted on Twitter. Yeah. A big sort of spoiler. Oh, about all the accused. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh come on. I can imagine exactly the one. People are very upset about a particular thing. Yep. It? Um, yeah, it's a bit polarizing in some mm. ways, but uh, but it's been the number one on Netflix for the past few days. I wrote it with a guy I went to school with, Barnaby Bolton, who I went to uni with, and he's part of our team. And um, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. We're very excited. Well, we can talk about that too. Because, yeah. yeah, that's a two for one. Interview. Two for one, yeah, yeah, you you got me in here, so so you might as well. Good value, and it, and as I said, it was my birthday today. So happy um, birthday, thank you. And it's so um, it's a nice way to spend it in Brewdog and meeting new people and having a chat and yeah. not much actual work. So yeah, yeah. Well, this is my first. I saw the slide. I didn't go down it, but I planned to after this. <laughs> nice. It's a bit of a rite of passage now. For, Got to do it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm just fearful I'd get stuck. So yeah, I'll maybe. I'll maybe uh, wait until I'm a few more pounds down. What I go into it. So we'll wait and see. Right. Oh, so I guess uh, it'd be good to start at the start a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're still frightfully young for doing all this stuff. Um, so how did you get into all this? How did you get into screenwriting? Because I'm always like. When you're a kid and you said something like, I want to be a writer, and yeah. people are like, yeah, right, you know, mm. no chance, you know, get a real job kind of thing. Yeah. And you've done it. So, it's yeah. really weird. And it's very surreal. Um, yeah, I, I've really loved filmmaking um, in all aspects, really, since being a child. Mm. And I, I think my very first, uh, I, I went to acting classes and stuff, and I thought, maybe I want to be an actor. Um, but the more I got to hold cameras and stuff and got my own camera when I was um, in my teens. Um, uh, that was that was the start of me starting to make stuff. And at school, uh, we used to do um, have, have assemblies and sometimes your form group or your class would have to do one of those assemblies. Mm-hmm. And I very often take that as a chance to go and like make a film that everyone would have to watch because they're going to sit there for 10 minutes so they can watch one of my films. So that was like, a, it was a thing that I would do when I was at school. But when I was kind of choosing my subjects and everything, I thought the film industry feels like a pipe dream mm-hmm. and it felt like very unattainable. I don't know anyone or at the time didn't know anyone who, who worked in it. And so my A-levels reflected the fact that I was going to go and do something engineering based and uh, so I did physics and maths computing and and then English literature was the one which I was I just kept on to do. Mm-hmm. I actually thought so so my pipe dream um uh remedy was that I wanted to be an imagineer for Disney. I wanted to build the robots of the parks. Nice. So that's why I chose those subjects and and um and then I completely failed physics. And I just thought, oh no, you know, this this is going to be harder than I thought. And um, at the same time, I was doing more of these films and more more of that stuff with my friends, mm-hmm. and uh, and in, in the same uh, year group as me, as I mentioned before, Barnaby Bolton, uh, who is a great friend of mine, and uh, we went to the same school, went to the same university, and is now part of the team. So the the origins really did start there at school, and. Um, I did a gap year. I didn't know what I should do at university. My grades weren't brilliant. They were okay, but I was not going to get into places where I could step up to be a robotics engineer. Unfortunately, even though I still love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, well, 
I'm not going to apply. I don't really know what to do. And I also don't know how to get into the film industry, so I'll try. Mm -hmm. And I did the job centre thing, and they were very unsupportive and didn't know what to do at all with me. And so um, you look for anything that's around the local area. I live in Bracknell. And uh, and aside from doing a a run at Lapland UK as an elf, um, (laughs) I then worked at Waitrose, and that's where I started, you know, doing hospitality. And I did that for my gap year. And then in the midst of that thought, I need to go and be with people that are making films if I want to do this because applying to places like Pinewood, even to be a a, a sweeper, yeah. just wasn't working. The the jobs just weren't available. So and I and I just had no idea that you could get an agent to be a runner or anything like that. Yeah. Um I just had no idea. No, no, no one would tell me. So you have to get an agent to be a runner. No, no, you can, you can, and wow. that helps. That helps. You can, you can obviously. You don't need an agent for anything, yeah, yeah. Um, but it does help get you those roles and stuff. But yeah. if I'd known about that, then I would have thought about the process of getting on to do short films and uh, and helping people for free and yeah. and kind of getting a bit of a, a reputation with certain film crowds and then building to it and then getting a job. And that's very much a path for a lot of people. It mm. wasn't my path, but if I'd known about that stuff mm. and I was told about it, then that would have been really useful for me. Yeah. But but nobody knew that. Yeah. So so I, I, um, I ended up thinking, well, let's go to university and try it. And I'm very in a fortunate position to have been able to do that. And... Um, so I did film studies. Uh-huh. Where was that? I was at Portsmouth. Okay. Uh, University yeah, yeah. of Portsmouth. So we, uh, and that just happened to be at the same place as my friend who went, I went to school with, Brilliant. happened to be in the same year. He also did a gap year. Um, but he was doing, uh, I just saw a birthday cake <laughs> come past. I, I feel like, uh, I, <laughs> let's hold on this for a second because this is very exciting. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I'm just thinking about the smoke and the... Uh... Oh, goodness. Okay, we're all right. We're all right. So, why? Yeah. It was a video. So nervous about this. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay, didn't blow it out so you haven't made a wish oh oh, oh, well there was those apps you used to get there was a lighter in the can of beer remember you could do that yeah i (laughs) never had an ipod touch and everyone at school had those and i saw those those videos on youtube where they're doing it yeah yeah and i I always thought that looks amazing (laughs) and recently actually during the the premiere of the short film Boiling Point I was with someone I'm reminiscing and I thought I have an iPhone now I can do this (laughs) and we got it and it was looked like the most virus riddled thing ever but we did it I was like, great. I deleted it. I was like, okay, I experienced it. Also, like, you're putting your phone up to your mouth, like, oh, yeah. Germs on oh, your yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me more of those germs. I need to train my immune system. So, that's JV's, like, the MD of Brewdog. Like, right. Oh, amazing. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Really? Hi. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> that's what an honor. He's a top man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so kind of him. <laughs> but happy birthday. Was that, I've, never, I've never had a sparkler in a cake before. Never, ever. Can you blow a sparkler out? No, that's what I was thinking. I probably couldn't have. Yeah. Also, it really stinks in here. It really stinks. He's cursed us for the rest of the interview. I'm so panicked about like it's smoke alarms. <laughs> it's going to go off. Anyway. I think maybe we're safe. Um, so you were Portsmouth Uni. 
Um, uni and, and, and then, yeah. it did film studies which is a bit like english literature mm -hmm. and so it's more analytical we weren't really making stuff we made a couple of films um but uh all the cake is returning cake is and back. no smoke this time yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello oh wow it's lovely to meet you it's the same time next year you're gonna have to. You're gonna, gonna have to start eating that. <laughs> we can split it. Oh yeah, yeah. Banana split. <laughs> that was something so. Hi, so uh, and then so when you were studying there, I mean, what yeah. types of classes were there? So, so you had you had classes which were about the history of film, uh -huh. uh, but you also had stuff about you know race, gender, sexuality, and mm -hmm. how it's represented in film, and uh, you know social movements, you know Marxism and stuff like that, and and how how is that stuff being put onto film and so there's um and also things like foreign films you know transnational cinema all that stuff i found really interesting and i found um now in my career i do draw upon a lot of that like experience of having looked at films and understanding mm -hmm. the way that they impact the world yeah. and that you know you don't actually make stuff in a vacuum that you yeah. you have a and i think we'll talk about it today but um the kind of the art that you make is reflective, but it's also very informative for audiences. Yeah. So I've carried that with me and, and how to represent people of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. that, so that stuff has come really interesting, uh, was really interesting to me. And I, I really enjoyed actually writing those essays and I was yeah. quite good at them as well. I was the top of my class. Actually. Oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I really, so I excelled at uni, but I wasn't doing the, the, um, production stuff and I really wanted to. And my friend, who comes back now, yeah. um, he did the production course. So he was doing the, the physical stuff. And for his third year film, um, he wanted to have a, uh, someone to write with on it. Mm -hmm. And he knew that I did this course, which was, you know, um, quite theoretical, but maybe assumed I did more screenwriting than I actually did. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. No, no. Um, well, yeah, no. Yeah, well, yeah, but, <laughs> I, yeah, since then. And uh, he's, uh, so, so we made, we wrote this short film that he made into his third year thing. And we filmed that in Sofia in Bulgaria mm -hmm. um, for the main reason that it was cheaper. Mm -hmm. They'd had a, they'd managed to get a contact with um, the new Bayana film studios, which is where lots of Hollywood stuff is, is done. Mm -hmm. And they got a really good deal with it, great catering deal and the equipment and some of the local um, hands and stuff. And so we made the short film for their final year project there. Yeah. And, uh, and it's there that I met Phil Barantini, who at the time was an actor and only an actor. Oh. Well, sorry, not just an actor. I mean, he was, he was also a chef as uh -huh. we, as we will talk. Yes. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, that was an interesting meet for me. Mm -hmm. Clearly it was very, it was a, you know, a formative moment of the, of my life was, was this, uh, creative relationship coming mm -hmm. together there. And, um, as he started transitioning into directing, yeah. um, and he was doing acting workshops and needed these, uh, three page scripts, genderless, um, you know, all encompass scripts that he could use for his classes and, yeah. and for these like little videos that, that people would have. So they had something for their, their screen reels. Um, we would we developed a good working relationship on that and a shorthand on how to we need to do a sad script this week okay i'll write a sad script three pages and then uh like two characters or sometimes one if, if it was required or on this this week it need to be happy or something or just yeah. a conversation so so we ended up having a shorthand there and uh then following that 
Um, he did a short film called Seconds Out, written by Robbie O'Neill. Um, that was a relationship that he'd had, um, you know, even even before me. And then when he when it came time to do the short film, and from the rest is history, uh, he asked me to to write Boiling Point, the, the short. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the history, really. Well, just in terms of writing partners, you know, I've been listening to quite a few podcasts lately, and it's it's been like, you know... Jesse doing Succession and Sam For sure. as yeah. well, you know, from peep, peep Show days um, yeah. and all that. And it's like the most personal relationship, mm. maybe even more than a romantic partner. So how do you know that you've got the right, you know, have you kissed a few frogs over the years? Uh, or, you know, how does that work? Or did you get lucky? Or? I, I think I've, I've been very lucky with the people that I've worked with. But also I think um, there, there, there are ways when you're starting out a writing partnership of testing the water. Um, Before I did that third year film with my friend Barnaby, we actually wrote another short, which didn't get made Mm -hmm. um, beforehand. And that was almost like a test for the two of us. And we had such a great time and that let us know that actually we would work well together. Mm -hmm. And then with Phil, because of these workshops that he had done, we we knew that we were going to work well and have a, have a good shorthand. So when it came to do the feature, um, you know, we were very trusting Mm -hmm. of, uh, each other and and respectful of of the input that we both had, and uh, since then I've I've co-written with uh, a number of other people, um, but and I, but I have been very lucky, mm. and um, yeah, I think that first process of of screening it just a little yeah. is really well, it's kind of good that you got to sort of do it as worked examples rather than yes. the, oh, yeah. the ethical. Um, but in terms of splitting your days yeah. and, and all that stuff and splitting your time, is is there days that you're more up for it than he is? Or, you know, how do you split your time? Is it, do you have to be together? Or do you do it hybrid? You know, how, how, or how does that work? So when, um, when we did the feature film, so the short film script, I... Uh, We'd had discussions about what stuff happens in kitchens mm-hmm. and what he wanted from the characters, and and we talked about how that should end. and And so for the for the short film, I was very much left to it to to write that. Yeah. Um. And and Phil was in there with the story, mm-hmm. and uh, and would sort of there'd be moments where he'd say, oh, "I'm getting another friend to be in this uh, as a chef." find them a role and so okay fine I'll try and slip them in so for that one that was that it was it was collaborative at the start but the actual writing was was more done by myself Mm -hmm. for the short film Mm -hmm. Um, but for the feature we sat on Skype um, in 2019 uh, over the course of about six weeks and day in uh, clocked in and wrote and did it. So we, we treated it very much like that. We were being paid for it, not not a massive amount yeah, yeah, yeah. on the scale of of that kind of a film. Yeah. Um, but we treated that it like that. There were some days where Phil had to go and uh, he was an agency chef still at the time. He would have to go and do some shifts because that was how yeah. it was his main source of income at Good that very moment. Oh, well, always, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Coming back and sort of saying, oh, this happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. The great, the great scenes. Yeah, Me- meant that I didn't have to go back to it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so for that, that was very much like um, that worked for us. Mm-hmm. And then after the first draft, I handled the other kind of eleven drafts as we did that, and Phil focused on the development of the of the directing side and the pre production and everything like that. So from from that perspective, that was uh, it was it, there were the, more more dependent than on on the um, on what I was doing in those yeah. days. And when especially when you start out, I think you're if people are expecting you to do the work and there's a deadline, you, it does light a fire yeah. under you. Yeah. And um, as you say, you made a really good point, which is having an active outlet 
for those for those for example those workshop scripts yeah, yeah. knowing that somebody's going to say these lines really gets you moving with it and it's something i've told people is that if you can find a way to if you're a new writer and you can mm. find a way to have an outlet where people are using your work that's not only going to drive you to actually write mm. because you're getting little deadlines um it's also going you're also going to start to understand what doesn't doesn't work in terms of what Live dialogue in front of you yeah exactly yeah. what what doesn't sound natural and what can you not ask an actor to do if yeah. it's like you know yeah so makes sense so just for um a bit of background then so there's three parts to boiling point yes so there's short film short film you can't see anymore well you can just now so they've just they've oh, just released man. it on bbc oh brilliant so just a few days ago um so it's on iplayer now so you can go watch fantastic. that fantastic um it isn't it's not related to the film and the series. The film mm-hmm. and the series, the film's almost like episode one and the series is like two, three, four, five. Yep. Uh, if you were to look at it like that. Yep. Um, and the short film is its own thing. It's like a proof of concept, really. Yeah. And so, but that's on BBC One. Oh, sorry, sorry, BBC iPlayer. Brilliant. Um, and you can go see that now. I will. Yeah. <laughs> because I was looking for it, uh, you know, so this week we've been <laughs> chatting back and forward and uh, I was looking for it and it just, you know, everything was saying not available in your country. Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of, so you've got the, the short, short then film. you've got feature Feature that yep. obviously everyone's seen. Um, and then we've got the TV series starting Sunday, 1st of October, 9pm, BBC it. One. Yeah, you got it. BBC One? BBC One. Holy crap. I mean, that's the best slot, really. Sunday, 9pm. Happy Valley yeah. slot, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... Thank goodness that the, we, we, we were able to get in there. The BBC are really... They're really proud of it, as am I. And they are... They they think they've... that when you hear about the marketing people even mm. speaking and saying that this is, it's not usually as, as good as this. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that, that like they are, they're really pushing for it. Yeah. They're very, they're very proud, yeah. proud, proud of it. So. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, boiling point itself, uh, I guess thinking about the feature for a second. Um, so it's something like 99% on rotten yeah. tomatoes. Like, yeah. What, what compelled you to then roll the dice and do God. it again? Is this madness? I, it's, it's so bizarre. I, I have to say, like, because I think that's that's 99 with 80 reviews, maybe. Mm. So we've got maybe one one that people, that someone didn't think that it was all that. That's, it's pretty amazing. And I, 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 I'm on a good track record at the moment because accused right now is at 100. percent I don't I think I don't that. expect it to stay there oh, wow. because we've only got 13 reviews on that. So uh-huh. more people that review it as it comes in, I think you know there's a there's a chance somebody won't like it. But um, you certainly you do feel daunted by mm-hmm. that, and you also think from a personal level, if you finish something and you think that that it's done, you I personally don't always love the idea of returning to things. Um, so I didn't particularly want to do a feature film after the short mm. because I thought we did a good job. We were nominated at the British Independent Film Awards and uh, I thought this is a great springboard for us to do something new and exciting. And it was always kind of suggested when we did the short by our producer Bart Rispoli that uh, the way that he'd gotten the money for the short mm. was to say this is a proof of concept and we promised a feature yeah. and I never liked that because I couldn't I didn't really couldn't see what that would be yeah. and so 
Um, and we went through many iterations of what the feature film could be. Um, at one point, it was set on an oil rig, and people oh. were smuggling in like oranges syringed with vodka, which is something I hear happens because yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. have I alcohol. Think, yeah. um, so it's going to be a galley on the. And so we looked at all, and and we went through, and we just couldn't work out what it was until finally we thought, let's let's do the short but expand it. Yeah, yeah. And until that moment, I was really not loving the idea of doing a feature film and the idea to expand and for me because I'd done front of house stuff that I thought oh I could we could get into that as well so we you were front of house Waitrose Waitrose restaurant uh-huh. so um, so I did the front of house for I don't know, that was for eight months mm-hmm. and then I've done um, uh, retail since then and mm-hmm. I worked at Legoland and stuff like that so a lot of customer facing stuff but that was the one where we were dealing with with food and coffees and tables mm. and uh, you know it wasn't fine dining yeah. by any means but it also wasn't uh, you know a classic cafe and that um, was that yeah. was really interesting to me I thought okay we can do some more of that we can get more into the Andy character we can get into the the different dynamics of the kitchen and then the one shot felt like a really interesting challenge because it's essentially one long scene. So how do you do that and how do you layer that? So it, it went very well, as you as you say. Um, and then we went to the BAFTAs, which was incredible mm-hmm. and very, very weird, surreal. It was like going to Madame Tussauds at times. You're like, <laughs> I just... Is that Did I just... Yeah, 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 the Pope was there. Elvis was there as well. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we... Austin might have been there. Swift, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. absolutely. Well, I did see Lady Gaga. Had you? Yeah, yeah, that was... That was That's a moment. That was kind of a royalty moment. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> it doth my eyes to see with me. Um, so it, you're, you're totally right. It was very daunting. And I... and they said maybe we should have a look at doing a TV series and this was this was around the time that we were releasing in like the autumn of 2021 mm. and uh, it had done well at Carla Vivari which the where we premiered the film and they said uh, Bart and the group said let's just have have some ideas about whether we'd do a TV series and I said okay I'll have a I'll have a think and so the first the first pitch documents I put together actually had ideas of one shots for every episode and we looked at that mm. and um it's something that that ultimately was was decided against by the team i think it very much could have worked um some have said you know uh oh but if they're traveling home is that not going to be uh mm. is that not going to fill the episode how yeah. can you do that but that's just a challenge you know mm. that that's not something that uh, you could have the the drama happen on the way home, yeah. uh, and then conclude at home. So that, that's not actually a challenge. That, sorry, that's not actually a uh, a limitation. It is a challenge. Yeah. Um, but in the end, it was decided we shouldn't do that. And uh, um, so we kind of came up with an idea of uh, of changing the restaurant, following the Carly character, and uh, and then also having a look at what it's like to recover for Andy. So that was like. That was kind of how we pitched it. I have to say that, you know, in terms of Andy and his story, uh, me and Stephen Graham both agreed. We thought the character was dead. We wanted him dead, and that wasn't uh, something that we that that the series could have been sold on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we had a look at ideas about how to have him back without, without like stretching out the the story of of what he goes through in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that's why we look at the kind of story of recovery. Um, 
when something like this happens, when your film is suddenly picked up and everyone speaks about it, my dad saw somebody w- watching it on the train over their sh- over their shoulder, and I thought that's just so bizarre that yeah. that you saw that in, in the wild, yeah, yeah. and um, there's kind of a momentum of it. And we after going to the Baftas, we were already in talks with the BBC about doing a series mm-hmm. and being commissioned for it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was filming Accused at the time. And uh, very much as soon as that was done, I was writing the episode. And that was by spring. Um, the first episode was written. And then a couple months later, the BBC said, let's go with it. Um, so those conversations were all happening around there. And you just kind of, you follow the momentum of it. Um, yeah, I was a little apprehensive at first. But I was also very keen to keep the momentum going, yeah. and as soon as, as soon as you get certain ideas in your mind about, oh, we could look at this, or we could represent that, or um, you have an idea for a scene, mm. you think, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, like uh, it must have been like quite family esque as well, like getting the gang back together, and it's that like must have been sweet. It's like a reunion. Yeah, yeah. I think of them. I, I really, there's there's a thing, isn't there, about the family thing, which, which I I. I have to say I dislike I think of us as a team mm. I, I really think like we chose this group mm. and we came together and so to come back together it's like you know it feels like the titans returning yeah, yeah. and that was really lovely and I I um, seeing some of the cast that were in the film back again was like you know it's, it is like it's like going back to school and yeah, seeing yeah, those yeah. people um, so yeah that was it, in the end yeah. it was very tough shoot but um but I'm I'm very glad we did it. Hi, here's a quick message for all hospitality operators who want to reward, recognize and retain their brilliant teams. I want to introduce you to my new friends at Grateful. Grateful is a revolutionary cashless tipping and trunk platform disrupting tipping all across hospitality. Grateful's mission is to help create a more grateful world for hospitality teams by building the best tipping platform out there that is truly built around your business, as Grateful understands just how unique your business and team are. So, if you're a restaurant, hotel, bar or cafe, and no matter if you're a national chain or just a single site, Grateful simplifies Trunk for you by using their tech know-how to provide 100% transparency for your teams. Grateful streamlines your operational overheads through API integrations into your EPOS, Rota, Payroll and more that takes the headache of handling tipping away for you and your teams. Grateful are a fast-growing, ambitious team that are fanatical about customer service and are always striving to do the right thing for you. With the new legislation just around the corner, it would be worth chatting to Mason and the team at Grateful to see how you can modernise your tipping for a happier team and a happier business. To find out more, please visit Grateful.com. That's G-R-T-F-L dot com. That's G-R-T-F-L dot com now. creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, 
Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. In terms of the casting of everyone, Mm. you know, getting people like Jason Fleming and, Mm. um, you know, Stephen Graham, obviously, and then, you know, some real stars coming through as well. I mean, how did you even, I mean, could you have believed that Stephen Graham said yes? Um, Well, in a way, yes, because Phil and Stephen, Phil, our director and Stephen go back a long way. Uh, They were both in Band of Brothers together, you know, as actors. And um, so, the idea of doing the show with the short film, Phil said, I'm going to ask Stephen because mm. we've talked about it before. And Stephen very much wanted to see what Phil's first project looked like before coming on and doing the short film. So because Stephen has been there since the short, mm. it was always it was always something that was part of the show and part of the, the film. So it wasn't surprising for me, but I was obviously incredibly excited by having such someone of such caliber. Um, I remember doing that short film in, in Bulgaria and uh, that was the first time I'd worked with really prof- actual professional actors. And one of the things I was weirdly like uh, amazed by was that Phil in one of these scenes, he's drinking from uh, drinking some water and I noticed cause I was doing kind of continuity. He was doing it exactly at the same time on every take without without like you know without it feeling robotic or anything i thought wow just the presence of mind to be able to do that the the leap from working with my friends at uni and, and stuff to working with a with a professional actor and then again working with steven yeah. who is so like boardwalk empire i mean he's a legend and it's and it's like uh the kind of everything that's going through his mind when it comes to the character and the micro expressions he yeah. brings to it are just like, it's on another, it's another level. And um, yeah. And he's very visual in, in terms of scenes as well. When we looked at the series and we, we were pitching um, ideas for episodes, mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was very visual and we're going to see this and you can imagine the face here and we're going to pitch that, you know, I think I, yeah. It, yeah. Just a, a, an outstanding creative. It's amazing the, all the experience he'd be able to to draw on, and you know, yeah. I remember watching uh, uh, sort of almost like an extra um, with him talking about his scene with Al Pacino. With oh yes, the Irishman. You know, yes, he actually goes for him. Sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, he scared me. Yeah, odd, you know. But in terms of all of the characters, I mean, a and I thought I watched that. I watched the feature again the other night, and. I can't believe how much he packed in yeah. to 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, like, all the story going off, like, it just hits the ground running, but it's just how you've stereotyped in a good way. You've captured the RC customer. You've captured the sort of flamboyant front of house that's the, the party guy that yeah. probably doesn't do that much. You know, the hidden self-harming, yeah. the matriarchal part of Hannah yeah. doing the thing. And every part of it could just spin off. Exactly. And, you know, it's so much, so that, rich. That's, it's, that's what made the series so um, so exciting mm. was actually we can see more of them. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge to balance all of those characters and make sure everyone's getting enough screen time and not feeling like a scene is, uh, 
feeling like a scene's doing enough without feeling like you've been completely pulled away from the main narrative. And so these vignettes that we had throughout uh, were really just to, we, we wanted you to kind of drift into it in almost an Alfonso Cuaron sort of way yeah, yeah. and then be back in with it and be brought back in and, and just to understand even even the characters that are, um, that we see as as the villains, mm. like Beth, the, the manager character in the film, yeah. they all get their moment to say, well, actually just think a little bit about everything that's going on in their lives. That's not to say that you can't still think they're a villain. Just keep keep in mind the context. Yeah. And so to be able to flip that and just play with the expectations a little bit with those vignettes was was a really yeah fun part of the game. Yeah. No, it was just so much going on in in, in with Beth. You know, the, the sort of sort of voicemail. Yeah. You know, vu- yeah. vulnerability. You know, and, and seeing behind the curtain that she wasn't as strong. And but then there's a little bit of nepo baby stuff. Yeah. 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 Sure. And, uh, yeah. Certainly. You know, there's yeah. like loads going on. What about the hospitality industry then? Mm. Because, um, you know, what feedback did you get, um, you know, f- from all over? You know, what what did you see when it went out? Uh, yeah, it was astonishing. You know, we people were sort of saying, I can't... I, there, there was one person that said, this is about me. And almost like they, they wrote, wrote an article and it was a comment somewhere and they said, this is... this." this is my story uh-huh. and I don't know how they've got it. And it's not, and it wasn't, yeah. um, but it's just how, how authentic that we had made it, yeah. um, that, that people really resonated with it. Um, and that, that goes for people that work in the industry and, work, mm. and that, and that don't, we've all been to a restaurant, whether it's to, you know, like a, uh, McDonald's or whether it's to something really high, high end. And we've seen a lot of the things that you see in, uh, the restaurant either as customers or you've worked <coughs> excuse me um, or you've worked in hospitality and you know those people and you know those characters yeah. um, for us that was like because so many of the characters were built of people that Phil had worked with mm-hmm. people that I had worked with um, they they had that authenticity and that was that came through in the responses that the audience had yeah. people that worked in hospitality finding it really difficult to watch because it hit too close to home mm-hmm. um people that were um people that were kind of astonished about the way it is yeah. um there were people saying there was an interesting conversation about that maybe that would maybe we represented an industry that that was and isn't now but that actually by the by the collective voice mm-hmm. still is mm-hmm. so so there's a it, there was a bit of an interesting conversation that came out yeah. of that and people saying well we don't do the shouting stuff that's very that is something that used to happen and, and we're better now and that's true but that, that's not the case everywhere some places yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean it's kind of dear to my heart i've got a campaign i don't know if you know about this uh, called hospitality rising right. and basically we're trying to get a couple hundred thousand people to work in hospitality. So um, we raised about a million pounds last yeah. year. We did a big, big campaign. But funnily enough, this came out around at the same time. And the sort of right. the, the, um, the sort of powers that be, I suppose, and the more senior people within hospitality were a bit mm. deep breath going, oh my God, this is going, you know, and all the rest of it. But I think it's so, A, you've, it's a piece of drama. Yeah. But B, we have to hold ourselves accountable and we, yeah. like you're saying, we have to make sure that every place that you're working in isn't that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and we have to make, so the 
thing we're trying to do is trying to get Gen Zs into hospitality. Yeah. And, and there's loads of positives, right? There's It's flexible. No day's the same. It's fun. Yes, it's hard work. Um, could yeah. you make more money selling your feet on, you know, pictures of your feet on OnlyFans? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, definitely try and change all that. But yeah, so there was a sharp intake of breath when it went up. And then when it it said, there's a TV series, like, like, oh no. Yeah, it's just going to keep going. People are going to hate it. That's a really interesting point that was, uh, that I spoke to, um, I did a podcast, Phil's podcast um, called Going Rogue and Mm. Andy Jones, who runs Jones and Sons, the restaurant that Uh we film the film in, he was saying something very similar, which is that the Gen Z group maybe aren't necessarily doing the hospitality thing Mm. as much. Um, Why do you think that is? I think uh, there's a thing called deal flow that people talk about where, you know, there's options, right? Yeah. I mean, you could flip things on eBay yeah. and make, a, you know, there there are easier ways to make 20, 30, 40 grand a year. Yeah. Probably, yeah. you know. But I think what hospitality is for is people that like helping other people and our social mm. animals and all the rest of it. The challenge we're going to have with younger generations, it's not to sound old or anything, is that social yeah. real life thing isn't as much part of it as, yeah. you know, COVID hasn't helped as well. We've sure. got all these kids that have had two years taken from them. So I think it's about trying to get people into the mindset that mm. it's flexible around you in all honesty, unless you're a drug baron, I don't think you could, you know, go further faster. You know, running yeah. a oh, yeah. two million pound company in your twenty five. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot. So I think for entrepreneurs, it's a good one. I think if you are sociable, mm. it's really good. And also, if you just don't want to be in that nine to five yeah. office thing, yeah, um, then it's a great thing. Also, cultures are changing, right? So in terms of people don't drink as much anymore the younger generations and hospitality a lot of it and as is in boiling point revolves around you know that adrenaline and then that release after shift where it would be yeah. drinks and a lock-in and a thing and yeah. then a, that doesn't really go anymore yeah. or if you were rewarding someone you give them a bottle of champagne so there's all that sort yeah. of stuff as well but i think if we can just sort of move with the times and make it relevant mm. and actually talk to gen z and say this is you know whatever it is you want to be you know, whether you want to be a barrister or you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or yeah. a YouTuber or whatever it is, yeah. you getting some hospitality experience makes you a better person, a better I actually, individual. I, I completely agree. You know? I think everyone, it's, it's so sad, but like, I think everyone should work in hospitality mm. or they should work in retail. Well, it's so funny you say that because Nick Jones at Soul House, I, I did a podcast with him a while ago and oh, yeah. Nick said, it should be like national service. You know, you learn so much yeah. about about empathy, uh, about how to treat treat other people, and and there is. I look back at the stuff where I when I worked at Legoland or I worked at um, at Waitrose or any of the other places, and um, especially after you've left school, mm. there's a there is a there's a friendship group to be made in those places. Yeah. I actually don't look back, you know, with any hatred on those roles. Mm. I actually look back on them kind of fondly. Um, yes, it can be really difficult, but um, I don't regret doing them and I don't think I was wasting my time. And yeah, there's there's stuff later in life that is paid better. But to have done that at age 18, mm. 19, 20, 21, um, 
I think was was really valuable. Would you be sitting here now if you hadn't worked in Waitrose? No, Cafe? no, because no, because yeah. I, I um, restaurant, sorry. But well, the, the, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we had to get it right. No, uh, we, uh, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have. But there's, but that's the knock on effect. Yeah. That's, the, that's the butterfly yeah, effect, yeah. isn't it? I wouldn't have met the people I met yeah. if I didn't take the time yeah. out of out between uni to to do that so and then i think my understanding and my what i brought to uh the film and the series um from a front of house experience and understanding what that's like mm. um has also come in really valuable um but that's that is interesting about about that um and i think one of the things is with the series that you'll see is as i mentioned before sometimes it's not enough just to represent something on screen because you've got to be conscious of the impact. And if the impact of the film is to make people say, oh, I don't think I ever want to work in hospitality because we've condensed a lot of bad things into yeah, one yeah. night, then I think the series takes a much lighter approach on that in, in the sense of Carly, the main character, she doesn't accept that kind of shouting and aggression in her kitchen. Mm. So we've tried to evolve the kitchen into a place which actually is is better for the staff yeah. and focus more on uh, on what people bring from the outside world and what they hide from their outside world mm. when they work in those environments. Yeah. And then in the future, I hope, if, if we were to do more, I'd love to take that further mm. and almost imagine, you know, how the industry could be better and then try and present that yeah but uh but for now i think i think doing representing something which is a bit nicer than yeah. the restaurant in the film is is the first step no definitely i mean i, I and a i've just felt a jedi force thing go through me where all the collective sigh of relief from yeah. hospitality oh, and, and we, we try, we've tried to as much as possible and i think you'll see when you see the series that there are moments where the characters are really joking with each other yeah, much yeah. more than in the film yeah. and uh that's like you i think you get a good sense of the camaraderie between them yeah. and they go out together yeah. and they and they're socializing and so that's yeah yeah it's going to be great and then so where does the series pick up then yeah. so it's carly and mainly her story yes so so um for anyone listening, if you haven't seen the feature film, I am going to talk a little bit about yeah, spoiler uh, alert. a bit of spoilers for the end. <laughs> so turn off if, and then come back. Uh, so or go and watch it. Yeah, yeah, go watch it <laughs> and, then, and then return. Uh, so at the end of the film, Andy collapsed. He had a heart attack, and that was that was induced by the stress that he was going through, but also the overdose um, that he has from all the alcohol he's had that night and the cocaine and everything. And it all, it all in a storm causes him to have that. And so we pick up six to eight months later and uh, Andy is um, no longer working at the restaurant. He's had to take time away to recover. He's had heart surgery. Um, in the interim, while he's been away, Carly's taken the other job that she said that she was going to do at the other at the oh, end of the movie nice link yeah, yeah I never thought about that and uh, and with her she has brought all of the staff because the restaurant has been has been on hiatus Andy's restaurant's been on hiatus mm -hmm. and in that period she said everyone come with me we're opening a new restaurant mm -hmm. uh, and she's she's moved off that momentum and Andy feels very betrayed he's lost his team he's lost his position in the restaurant and uh, he and he sat at home still drinking. Yeah. And so this that's kind of where we pick up with Andy. And then uh, with Carly, we now see her as the head chef. Mm -hmm. So it's now her time and she's running the kitchen how she is going to run it. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be 
the Andes thing. But she she discovers that just being a nicer person is not is isn't going to solve all the problems because the industry is is so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's margins or whether it's uh, you know uh, staffing and staffing, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the lack of yeah. yeah, and reviews and all that. So um, so that's where we pick up, and many of the cast. Uh, from the feature, there are some characters that that aren't there, but canonically in my mind are are away and may return. Mm. Um, but a lot of a lot of people that yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good reunion, but there's some new faces as well. Yeah. And did you have a favorite character? Favorite character, I really love Dean, who is the um, the in the in he's a supervisor, the front of house supervisor, mm. uh, the the gay character yeah. um, who so the Scottish Scottish guy, uh, yeah yeah uh, Gary Lamol, um, yeah, and he's so great. He's one of my favorite characters to write, and uh, he is back in this environment as the manager. So he's no longer the supervisor. He is the ma- manager, Maitre Dean. Um, <laughs> so he's uh, yeah, he's probably one of my favorites to write. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. And, and is there any that you feel are the most like you? Uh, you and the show. I think I try to pepper my weird, not my weird sense of humor, <laughs> but like my kind of outlook on the world throughout. And that doesn't always make it in um, because, uh, yeah, but I, I think I like it when characters kind of um, are a bit silly with each other. Mm. And, um, and I try to bring that in places. Um, and, but any one character, possibly not, actually. No. I wouldn't say there's a James in, in yeah. the front of house, but there's a James in all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, just as there's a Phil in all of them, and just as, you know, uh, just as those, those, the cast has brought along a lot of their own experiences to those characters. It's a real, it's a real mix. And then what about, um, you know, some of the things you maybe need to take some advice on. So the storyline about the um, food allergy and yeah. obviously prevalent, you know, with some of the brands out there, you know, that went to court and had to yeah. settle and then, you know, government things coming in. And did you have to take advice in some of the areas from hospitality or did did you have the knowledge yourself? We had, we had a lot of the knowledge um, in terms of how chefs deal with it from Phil's experience working as a head chef and in those restaurants. Um, and we did a lot of reading about it. Uh, as you mentioned, there are some pretty high profile cases, cases where, um, where people have died and, uh, and thinking that we wanted there to be something in the story where Andy's lack of organization and falling behind and, um, and his issues with anger and all of that stuff would culminate in, in, uh, real life, consequences for one of the customers or somebody that's not even involved and um so looking at those stories and all of that felt like um it felt like the right moment to bring to it and to also kind of illustrate how how bad it can be if it goes wrong there is and i'm sure you'll you'll have experienced the kind of there's that sense of with with allergies there's a, a, a stereotype in chefs, which is that they're going to be really annoyed about this. And there is that extra pressure for chefs when that has come through that, yeah. gosh, are we, are we absolutely certain? Yeah. Yeah. And that pressure 
adding to the kitchen was was great for it. But I think we were also careful in the um, in the in the film to to not like to not actually dwell too much on how chefs might react to the allergy. Yeah. You know, it goes in the system and the problem that they have is that it isn't properly put in the system yeah. so they're referring to a piece of paper then there's nothing wrong with the customer. Yeah. What we didn't want is for the anyone watching to yeah, think, sure. God, that's what the chefs really think of yeah, me when yeah, I say yeah, I've yeah. got an allergy because that's yeah. not fair yeah. um, and and I don't think we would do that. So, um, so handling it in that way mm. and being conscious of that uh, and not being exclusionary in any way um, and then showing the consequences. Those were all, those kind of made up our approach to it, yeah. and then building on the experience that Phil's had and, and anyone else has had um, that we that we were involved with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then what about um, with you having such an explosive ending to the feature? Yeah. And I'm sure there's a few twists and turns in this. Yeah. A, where do you draw inspiration from? How do you make sure it's a, original? And also, how do you make sure that people don't guess what's going to happen. Like, I would yeah. be so fearful yeah. that, you know, this is maybe two years in the making or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, another movie comes along with that idea or, do you know? I, I think so. <coughs> um, I think we had to kind of be truthful to how are we going to deal with uh, with the, the consequences of something like that happening at the end of the film. Mm. Um the obvious thing is that oh well we're going to have Stephen back in the kitchen for the whole show, but that and so so that but we weren't being driven by that because actually we felt that we wanted to do a story that was about recovery. So I think there's a, that a lot of people had an expectation about the series, um, which is um, we're expecting one shots and we're expecting Stephen Graham, and not we haven't intentionally subverted that, but to have gone down a story where we simply have Stephen back in the kitchen as Andy Jones mm. um, would have been a disservice to the point of the movie, which yeah. is, uh, which is the, the impact and the long lasting impact of uh, being, having an addiction and, a, and one which is really impacting your life um, and trying to deal with the fallout of it. Mm. Actually, the realistic thing is to say, this is going to be a long journey yeah. and he's not going to, we're not going to have him solve the, the, those problems off screen. Um, so if you want to see him back in the kitchen, you're going to have to sit with it and wait until he has recovered. Yeah. And so, and that's part of our whole message of, uh, you'll see it in the series and I don't want to go into t- too many details, but um, there may be things in the feature that we, we follow back up with. And the idea that you can solve something with a nice conversation is not the way we wanted to approach no, it. No. And uh, and problems that persist need to be addressed in in a way which is going to be productive, with the right professional help, and to and with the knowledge that it takes time. Yeah. So, following that and being truthful to those ideas. Um, felt like the right move yeah. and I w- didn't worry so much about are people going to predict it as long as we execute it well mm. if people do predict it then then well done to them yeah, but yeah. at the same time I don't think they'll necessarily have predicted that we would have gone the, the way we have done with the series mm-hmm. and the way that we focus on the characters in almost set a semi-anthology way yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think that's going to be really exciting how many episodes is it? it's four episodes four okay and any Talks on the, another yet, or do you see it goes? Uh, we, for me, uh, there's there's so much to tell, mm. and uh, I have to tell you that I had a really, it was a really stressful project because it was my first TV show, 
So I had a lot of learning to do. We all did. And afterwards it was done. I thought, I need a big break. <laughs> Will I ever do this again? Yeah. You know, as, as you find with, with big, intense projects. Mm. And then I started thinking and I thought, oh, but I really want to tell this story. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that would be really good. Oh, can you imagine this scene? And then you start thinking. And then, so we've got, we've got a lot of ideas about where we want to go with it. There were some original plans for this series and how we wanted to end it that ended up kind of being pushed along. Mm -hmm. And so we have a real direction for where we would go if the BBC want to bring us back. And hopefully they will. Yeah, or Disney. As, maybe you can complete oh, maybe. the loop and oh, you can okay. do your Imagineering. Oh, exactly. Yeah, maybe they'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll get a I'll get a lifetime passes in my contract or something to the Disney parks. <laughs> that'd be nice. That'd be yeah, nice. that'd be great. And then where where was the original filmed? It was ha was a Hackney, the short film we filmed at a culin culinary college in Manchester. Uh -huh. um, was it Manchester College? I can't remember the name of it. And then in uh, in Hackney. In Dalston, uh -huh. uh, we we shot at Jones and Sons, yeah. which is a real restaurant. You yeah. go there; people do go there. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of like um, movie tourism with yes. it. Yes, not not so. massively, mm. but people go there, and people um, people. I was told by Andy, uh, who who isn't the inspiration for the character Andy yeah. Jones in in the thing, but he he owns Jones and Sons, mm. and Phil's known him for a really long time, and has actually worked for him. And he said there have been a couple times where. Uh, where the customers will lie down where Andy collapses and get their photos taken. Actually. Oh, wow. And I, I, I was told this on this other, and I'm, I, I just, <laughs> my mouth, was, I thought, wow, they're doing that. And there are some people who won't, won't sit on, on the on table thirteen, which is which is where the nut allergy had, oh. or they'll say, "Oh, well, we won't sit there," or they'll make a comment on the phone and stuff, and people will be taking pictures. So that's a real restaurant. It's a great restaurant. Yeah, um, I haven't. I, in all honesty, I've never, I haven't been to a lot of really fancy restaurants in my life. And Jones and Sons isn't like fine dining, but it's like it is really good. I have to say, I had a, a meal there in preparation for the film and I just was one of the best meals I ever had yeah, yeah. Um, and they do some great roasts and stuff so you can go there and and see the real you know like yeah. if you want to go see it uh, so that's Jones and Sons in, in Dalston Dalston oh and, that sounds great yeah it's good, it's good and then the new series that was it Manchester again Manchester filmed. but we filmed it in a studio so oh. Adam Tomlinson um, he was our production designer and he um, he and his team just did this this magic and build the set yeah. and uh, and you fully believe it when you're in there it's kind of like a, the stairs leading down into a basement which is where the uh, and it's all constructed yeah. you know to, to be at the ground level you have to walk up some wooden stairs to get up there and then come down and it's all wow. so it's, it's like a set it is a set and um, you sit there and you completely forget you're in a set and I remember looking up at one of the um, uh, speakers uh -huh. in the corner and just kind of I pass it by and then I look back and I thought that mustn't be that's not plugged into not anything even wild yeah but yeah. I just completely believed it and there are plug sockets around and apparently somebody we have a there is a toilet in it and I think so, I've heard I don't know if this is a rumour but apparently somebody used it it's a prop toilet uh -huh. so it had to be cleaned out yeah. because somebody thought it was real <laughs> um, it's just that believable you know entering that world and so that gave us a bit more control over the lighting and stuff and I think it looks so good um, Matthew Lewis uh, our cinematographer um, had a lot more toys to play with with mm. this and uh, we do uh, long takes in it but we also do a lot of traditional cutting yeah. and um, and it looks gorgeous yeah like 
it looks even more cinematic than the film did. Oh, really? Which is great, yeah. Well, just back to the one-take thing. Mm. I mean, so was it just all done as if it was a theatre production? Yeah. No one fluffing lines, nothing? Yeah. Do you notice some fluffs? Oh, of course. Um, so... I've only got one, I think. I've only got oh, one. Oh, which one? I think... Was it Beth slightly stumbles on something at the bar when she's talking? It's either Beth or it's the blonde-haired wait- uh, server. Oh, right, right. It, there's just a little, there's yeah. a wee, there's like a, it's a tiniest gap. A hesitation. Aye. But what what we really liked about it, we did, um, we had a really improvisational approach to the feature film. Uh-huh. And there wasn't like, there was, a, there was example dialogue written in the script, but it was, there was uh, kind of paragraphs, bullet points to say what who, what we want to say, who we want to say, yeah, yeah. Um, to who and what the emotions are and the content, and how you move between topics. And uh, so it was detailed, but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't prescriptive. Yeah. And we did a um, we did workshops, and they kind of brought the improvisation to it. And it it came it came sort of uh, it was sort of set by the end, yeah. but the exact wording would change. The almost, real, almost like an improv. Almost, yeah, imp- you yeah, yeah, yeah. From there to there, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it's improvisation, yeah. and and uh, the benefit of that is that because you're improvising, you are forced as an actor to listen to what other people are saying. Mm. It's not a case of just their lines are finished. Now it's my lines. Yeah. You really are listening, and as a result, um, if anything goes wrong, and I'm seeing it because I know what's supposed to be there, yeah. but if anything goes wrong. Um, they react like they're real people. If they stumble upon a word or something, that's realism for you. Yeah. And uh, and if somebody doesn't say, you know, the line or they miss a story beat, they just move on because they because they are reacting yeah. right there and then. So that's the real benefit. Everyone's in a mindset to to improvise yeah. and and help each other. But if someone got it really wrong, would yeah. you have to? It's mousetrap. Would you have to go all the way back to the start? They, they, yeah, yeah, you would, you would. But but in the end, the the feeling was unless somebody's been really hurt or something, yeah. that's not. Let's, cut, let's, let's just keep going till the end and get the full take. And uh, so even though there are bits where I know that the third take, which is what we used, had about a hundred or more mistakes. I had the, I literally was sat there by the monitor writing things down and saying, okay, we need to improve it. Improve it. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) Improving this and the next one. And and then we did take four, which had eight mistakes. So you you would have thought it'd be really obvious which one to use, but the energy was better in the third take. So, so they thought let's go for it. And because it was COVID immediately afterwards, and that was what stopped us from doing more takes. um, I was just sat there thinking, just, obsessing over the fact that gosh we've got to use that fourth take because it's perfect but actually in the end it didn't really matter because they were both brilliant and the third take was always going to be great and crucially the audience doesn't know they have no idea in that case what is a mistake or not because the whole point is to put you in that realism place yeah Yeah. and i think the other someone i was with someone from restaurants the other day and they had said they haven't sort of broke you know they can't bring themselves to watch it yet sure and they saw a little bit of clips of it and they'd said it felt like new year's eve 2021 i get when it was at the height of covid oh yeah sure and it was new year's even the ticket was going yes machine and it was all takeaway oh yeah and say there was like delivery drivers like clamoring over each other like did it you know zombie movie or whatever and um but looking at that it was it was really interesting but she said describe it to me and i said 
I was really thinking, I was like, have you seen Uncut Gems? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, it's sort of that. Yeah. Te- like, yeah. I've never been more engaged in a movie than those two, like Boiling Point and Uncut Gems yeah. are the two that I'd, you you find yourself not breathing Yeah, when you watch it. You know, it's, it's absolutely... So, somebody world, somebody know? in the the letterbox reviews uh, called it Uncut Iced gem lettuce or something. Oh. <laughs> nice. Ice. Sun head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that they're, they're, they're sort of pretty funny. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of wee things then before you go. So um, closing thoughts, I guess, on Boiling Point and your hopes for it. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, just other stuff you want to plug as well. Oh, sure. Some other, other projects well, and yeah. things. I, so my hope is that we're dealing with some really, really heavy stuff in the series in some places even more heavy than what we dealt with in the film and my hope is that we got it right and we worked with you know psychologists and psychiatrists on uh, on a particular episode which was really important we look at invisible disability in, in the stuff which is very personal to me um and was that a lot like of people neurodivergence? Like, uh, so so less on that front even though um, i'm sure that there are characters that you might read that into but yeah. that's not the focus that's yeah. not in any way the focus of the series uh being things like in my case rheumatoid arthritis sure um but in the show and uh, we look at Crohn's uh-huh. and um, and how that impacts you working yeah. in, a, in those environments and wanting to really make sure that that the experience of having an invisible disability is, is truthful yeah. and, and wanting to get that right. Uh, wanting to get the representations of the cost of living and everything and just hoping that everyone feels like we've, we've done something relatable and truthful. And if we've done that, I know the acting is superb. It looks amazing. It sounds great. Uh, you know, James Drake and his team, um, Jules did, uh, yeah, they, they did an amazing job in it. And Aaron and David did, uh, did the music as they did for um, our other projects. And it's so good. I'm so proud of it. And I, and I hope that people really take it on and really enjoy it. I think it's better than the movie. And, uh, yeah, I, wow. I, I'm just really proud. I'm, I'm yeah. buzzing about it. Yeah. And yeah, I can't believe we did that. Uh, so that's, so that's my hopes for it. Yeah. Coming up, uh, I feel like I'm doing the eye dance between it. Uh, <laughs> So at the moment on Netflix, you can find a film called Accused. It's also directed by Philip Barantini. It's written by me and Barnaby Bolton. Um, it stars Chanil Kular, who you'll recognise from Sex Education. Um, oh, yeah. And Lauren Ajufo, who was uh, Andrea and Boiling Point. She's mm-hmm. in it. Um, some, yeah, some really great faces in there. Robbie O'Neill, who was in the short film Boiling Point and the feature film. He's in it. So, uh, and, and Matt Lewis, our cinematographer, is back for it. Alex Fountain, our editor, is back for it. It's a, it's a really tense one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people are not going to love all of it because it's, it's very intense um, and, and quite scary. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's on Netflix. Number one on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, it? yeah it's oh, been well for the past done. few days. Well uh, so that's be good. Other than that, uh, there's there's a few projects that I'm writing um, that I hope see the light of day. There's one um, about Antarctica. Can't really say much about sure. it. Um, Get you on again? Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be <laughs> back. Um, but that's that's kind of all of those. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, couple of quick fire questions yep, for fun. Sure. Uh, favorite city to eat in? I really do enjoy. Um, I really enjoy when I'm when I'm abroad. 
actually trying to find places that aren't tourist traps. I'm not always very successful. <laughs> um, last year I went to Budapest and we, we did go to some places where no English was speaking, spoken yeah. and we felt like we were getting the good stuff and, and it was like authentic, great. Um, actually being in Sofia, mm-hmm. that was one of my, I had one of my best meals ever. Oh. Uh, it was in this monastery type place in, in the city and it was very good. It was very like, Brothy and yeah, it was oh, really yeah. good. Was it kind of dump, dumpling-y or something? I don't. I can't even. I couldn't even tell you what I ate. I, like I just know that it was amazing. Yeah, I think it was, but it was very Eastern like, European mm, type mm. type stuff. And I really, actually, really like that kind of cuisine. Yeah. So maybe Sofia. Let's say Sofia. Nice. Uh, favorite hotel? This is a weird one, uh, but I mentioned my th- love of theme parks, um, and uh, me and my partner go to have. Whenever we go to Walton Towers, we stay in a town called Leek. Okay. And there is a premier in there. It seems really basic, but it, it's really nice. It's such uh, a lovely town. Yeah, yeah. And it's only a couple, you know, 20 minutes from from the theme park. And I just love it. I don't know why. It's it's really basic, but uh, yeah. I really have a great association Good memories. Yeah. No Lenny Henry? No Lenny Henry. I, I'm always expecting him <laughs> to be in there. But no, not quite. Well, um, well, Premier Inn are going to be really chuffed for that. Yeah, yeah. I will be very pleased. Yeah, they need the help. <laughs> they certainly do. Um, and coffee shop? You... I don't actually drink coffee. Um, so I, I'm ne- not always compelled to go to a coffee shop. I, I think you'd have been musing over a laptop with a steaming uh, no, something. If, if I'm doing an all-nighter, I'll get like, I'll, I'll have an energy drink or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't tend to yeah. have caffeine. Okay. Never got into it. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, maybe so, it's hard yeah. to come off of. So, so it's quite hard to say. Although there's a there's a local place in in Reading called Decaf um, that uh, that I like to go yeah. to every now and then and get a bacon or a, a sauce, like a sausage sandwich yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were sausage rolling. Early well, yeah. So, so everything so. sausage on the mind. You could be Scottish. Maybe you're secretly. My dad's Scottish. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, East Kilbride. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Where are you? Uh, oh. I, I went to Ayrshire. Okay, so okay. not too far. Yeah, okay, okay. twenty-five minutes. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's always the sort of Milton Keynes of the north, isn't it? With yeah, all the roundabouts. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, city of dreams. Um, <laughs> favorite bar? Have you got a favorite bar? I, I, again, I don't drink. Well, I ah. I, I have med because of my med, my my arthritis. I yeah. have medication, and it's not recommended. Every now and then, I do. If I'm going to a like a award show or something, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll have some of the free stuff. Yeah, with a gaga. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> when 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 by gaga, yeah. <laughs> and then I know you said about your restaurant, uh, you know, in Sofia. Is there any others? Any other restaurants? So yeah, oh yeah. So there's a. I've I've recently been thinking a lot about a restaurant in Reading called Beer House, which is a a German cuisine, and oh. the portions are great. I'm one of these people that obsesses over portion sizes. Uh-huh. I want a big portion. Yep. And it's like it's not. You know, it's not like Weatherspoon's cheap or whatever, yeah. but the portions are big and I yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, and I like that kind of food. But I'd say my favourite restaurant is also in Reading. It's called Kung Fu Kitchen and it's a Chinese restaurant uh-huh. and it's run by a family and it has this like almost chaotic energy to it. And me and my partner love it. We go there. We do, we take away the food as well sometimes because it's really good food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go in there for like, you know, the the kind of a shouting across the restaurant and the yeah, kind yeah. of the chaos and, and and high energy of it. It's really good. And they do a, a salt and pepper tofu that I just dream about. Ooh. I love it. 
And what kind of tofu? It's, is it? It's not silken, is it? Is it more more? Oh, uh, I I'm really bad at this. Uh, is it, but it's textured. It's like uh, it's not like the soft, silky, soft stuff that looks like cottage cheese. It's the no, no, no. It's, it's like more. It's it's hardy. it's almost like calamari or or yes, um, or like halloumi or I something. I almost gonna say tani or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's good. It's got nice. a bit of a uh, yeah. It's fried. Yeah, it's really good. So so that's that's a real it's a real gem in reading. Good we'll stick that in the notes as yeah. well so people can see it. Well listen, I'll let you go. Thank, Thank you, you very much. I know you've got a busy week. Um, and thanks for getting back in touch on Instagram and being so available. But um yeah, we'll try and get this out pretty quickly and try yeah. and coordinate it with It might be um, it might be worth on uh on doing it uh maybe on Monday. Yeah, so I think yeah, because then, because then the the show's out and yeah. the people people uh, can go yeah. to it. Well, usually I go so Tuesday, Wednesday, anyway. So I can, oh, sure, I can sure. Maybe do it. I can maybe do it. Well, it yeah. might be worth saying actually because, and I just mentioned this. Uh, so the short you can find on iPlayer yep. now. Uh, the film is going to be shown on Film Four on Saturday um, at nine PM this Saturday, thirtieth. Um, it will have adverts in it, so uh, you'll break up the one shot. So if you want to see that, we do have a Blu-ray out, and you can rent it online and everything. Yeah. And then, of course, BBC One uh, Sunday, nine PM from the first of October until it's done. Nervous, uh, and all out on iPlayer on the same day as well. Uh, who are you going to be watching it with? What, I don't know. I don't know. I've not. To, I might watch it with. I think my parents want to watch one at a time. Uh, they don't, I don't think they want to binge it because it all comes out on iPlayer on, on the oh, Sunday. I wanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But so they might want to watch it live. Right. So I might watch it with them live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Thank and you so much. Thank you for writing such a fabulous short and feature and obviously TV when it comes. When Thanks we see so it. much. Yeah. yeah Good I'm pleasure. So pleased for you. I mean, everything at the moment. You're living the life. It's a whirlwind. That's been brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. So there we go. That was a special, special episode. And actually, it was recorded on my birthday as well, which you might have clocked in the episode. So what a 47th birthday present that I got. It couldn't have been any better. And it was in the shape of James A. Cummings, who is the writer of Boiling Point, that being the short, the feature film, and also the TV series. And don't forget, you can catch up on everything Boiling Point on BBC iPlayer now. You can also watch it on Sunday nights if you want to do it sequentially and wait for the drama and get excited about it. Also, Accused is on Netflix. Definitely check that out. No spoiler warnings there. And then the last thing is, as you might have heard James saying, was that the original Boiling Point feature film was in film four on Saturday night, just gone. So in terms of that, you should be able to catch it in some kind of catch up. But it's worth every penny if you want to buy the Blu-ray or I don't know if DVDs exist anymore, or you want to catch it to download and buy it on one of the streaming sites. Thanks again, James. You absolutely made my year. I think we've got off to a great start in this season. And more from me next week. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom. Boom.